0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. She saw a pair of shoes walking through the mall coming in to the gig. And she spotted them and was like, hey, can... Um, Somebody go get them for me. And of course, my ears perk up when you hear shoes. I'm thinking, oh, this might be me. And I said, well, I'll go grab them for her. Just tell me which ones they were. And they, and they said, no, she doesn't have any money to be spending on Skechers. Wait, she wanted Skechers? And she wanted some Skechers. There was a Skechers, <laughs> a Skechers store. She spotted them, and they were cute. And I told Brittany, hey, I'm I'm putting these through wardrobe expense and we'll we'll say that they didn't work for stage. Take them home. And um uh, <laughs> <that's it. laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. Um, I'm going to start off this episode with a plea. I'm begging. I want all hands on deck. If you are connected in any way, please hear my cry. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, I'm going to go full gamut and really guilt the hell out of you guys. So you can just like paint the picture of what's where I'm at right now. Right. Picture close your eyes and picture a young Kara Barry. She's sitting in front of her TV. She's about 10, 10 years old. Turning to Comedy Central and watching old episodes of Saturday Night Live. Kara would go on to do this for years. Kara has seen multiple episodes from every decade of SNL from the very beginning, the eighties or early nineties. She knows quite a bit. She even wanted to be on SNL for a while there, a while there until she realized that she's not really much of a writer, definitely not an actor. So certainly not even equipped to be a musical guest or host. Right. Um, and then years later, That same girl, bright-eyed, beautiful, gorgeous, angel of a child, would go on to turn that channel to E. And she would feast her eyes upon a family called the Kardashians. And she would go on to watch every single episode of that series. Every one. Every single one. Okay? Um... Spinoffs, okay, all of them. Courtney, Miami, Hamptons, all of them, right? New York, she would even do a podcast about them briefly. So when our adult version of Kara in 2021 goes onto Twitter one night and sees those famous cards, the pink one and the blue one, on that, that board she sees Kim Kardashian West denoted as the host of Saturday Night Live for its October 9th date, if I'm not mistaken. She would think to herself, this moment is for you, girl. You did this. Okay. Nobody deserves this more than you. And so my fellow Americans, my fellow New Yorkers, my fellow people in the entertainment industry... Um, if you, you know, uh, clean Bo and Yang's apartment, I don't care. Okay. If you, if you, um, ha- know somebody who knows Ad Bryant, I don't care. I'll even, I'll even take a ticket from Colin Jost. This is how desperate I am. Okay. I need to be there. You guys, <laughs> like I need to see that happen. So like high on the highest of keys, you guys, if you have any connection to get me tickets to SNL for Kim's post hosting, I would be so grateful. I really, really like I y'all know. I don't come on here and ask for things. I, y'all like, I barely talk about my Patreon. Cause I just like, I don't like promoting myself, but I decided I need this. So truthfully, like if you can email me at everyone's business, but mine at gmail.com. If you can DM me at everyone's business, but mine on my Instagram, Tweet me on my own at Cara B tweets. Um, Please, please. I need, I need this. Okay. <laughs> I need this. So thank you. Thank you for hearing my plea. And like I'm starting this full campaign. It starts today. Okay. Today. So you guys are going to be real tired of me on Instagram. but I'm doing it until I get these tickets. I, I, I am. I am. So that's where we are. Okay. Let's move on to the actual show. Okay. Um let's maybe talk about let's let's talk about our girl for the week, right? I actually have a double girl for this week. One far more serious than the other. So let's talk about the serious one before I get into my little segment about the second part. So my first girl is going to dog the bounty hunter. Yeah, remember him? Um So if you guys don't know, I'm sure you do. If you're American, for sure. You guys have known about this Gabby Petito story. If you don't know, I did a really great and, um, not to pat myself on the back, but like a really good episode all about just like the facts and the timeline with, uh, my friend Anastasia about it last week. So, uh, if you want to know about the story, definitely check it out. It's, I think one of my better episodes. Um, but with it being said, <laughs> I was like, you know, just keeping up with the story and wondering if there have been any updates, if they had found her boyfriend yet. Um, and I just like, like I often do find myself at the wrong place at the wrong time. And so many of you guys who've been following, who have been following the story know about Brian Enton. He's been one of the reporters discussing, um, every day about what's happening. Right. So he has been doing a lot of live streaming from Twitter, um, from outside of Brian's house and at the reserve where they're searching for him. Yeah. Why did I just like, something told me like, check out this live stream. And you know what? Not since Lindsay Lohan, (laughs) <laughs> went on Instagram Live to try to kidnap those two children and ended up getting clocked in the face by the mother? Have I been like, oh, I? this is something that I needed to see, but also something that nobody needed to see, and it didn't need to happen. So <clears throat> I'm looking, Brian Enten had just recently, I was going on my Twitter, I saw that Brian Enton was live, and I look, and who do I see? But a man who... Like, at this point, it's like, don't even bother with the sunscreen because clearly whatever damage is going to be happening to your skin has already thoroughly happened. There's no coming back from that. Um, The the white blonde hair, the the vest, the dark jeans. This man, Dog the Bounty Hunter, hops out of a Jeep, rolls up. (laughs) And this is not funny. He rolls up to the drive, rolls up the driveway. There've been people, reporters, bystanders, what have you just onlookers at this house posted up at the laundry house. So he's walking up the driveway, trespassing, um, standing there posing, not posing, but not posing. Just standing there as people are taking pictures of him. Then he knocks on Brian's parents, door as if they're going to answer as if <laughs> on a random day in which people have been outside of their house 24 7 for the past week now that suddenly they're going to answer the door right please especially after somebody had like swatted them and said that they had heard gunshots and then that a bunch of cops had to show up at their house just the day before right so dog what are you doing What are you doing? This is like a a, a girl and a sub girl because I went on Reddit, which was my mistake. It was my first mistake. (laughs) Um, And people were saying, Oh, he's, he's actually so good at his job. Like finally he's coming here to save the day. Blah, blah, blah. You guys, this man was coming here for an opportunity. He was coming here for photos And he was coming here to get attention on himself. I understand that he's a bounty hunter. I understand that he found that guy from Max Factor 20 years ago. Caduce to you on that one, dog. Dwayne. But, you guys, this is a circus. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows... Come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Like, these people have a daughter... Not not Brian's parents, but, like, this is already, like, a, a fucked up situation. A daughter that is gone, a, a fiancé that is not taking responsibility and is just ostensibly um, outrun the FBI and his local police department. And you want to come here and be like, well, I think after a week now, it's finally time for... For us to get dog on the on the case. Are you kidding me? Sir, if you don't go back to Hawaii and keep calling people the N-word and leave us alone. Okay? Leave us alone. It's so gross. That's so gross. It's such a gross thing to do. Yuck. Ew. So let me go to girl number two. And that is to the entire Real house size of Beverly Hills complex. Okay? Um the news came out that Jimmy, Andy was on Jimmy Fallon. He was on the tonight show and he announced that for only the second time in housewives history since Atlanta and that incredible explosive bombshell of a reunion in which candy finds out that the person who's been spreading rumors about her wanting to drug and sexually assault uh, Portia uh, was in fact Phaedra Um Now Beverly Hills is going to get a four-part reunion. And of course, Erica had to tweet something along the lines of like, oh yeah, you can thank me for that. Okay, first of all, she she goes, okay, so she quote tweeted the clip where Andy says it's going to be a four-part reunion. And she says, now what would make it four parts? Question mark, question mark, me, period. Uh, Congratulations, girl. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I want to, I want to tweet um, this guy at Maddie Capped. We all know him. He says, you were there for the past five years and couldn't do a single memorable thing. Now you want applause because you and your ex committed some crimes? Brava. Like, girl. So, yeah, I'm just sick of Erica. I'm really done with her. And I just, like, (sighs) For all the... <laughs> I just can't make sense of any of this. I can't make sense of, like, her behavior. And I'm tired of trying to figure it out. You know? Like, I'm just... I'm just over it. Like, I'm to the point where, like, okay, if this is how you want to behave, clearly, because you've been having this, behaving this way for months, then you can do that. And, like, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. And when the reality of the situation finally hits you, I'll I'll come back and we'll see. I I really think she's going to have a lot of egg on her face when all of this is said and done and like that's on her, you know? That's not on us. That's on her. You can lead a horse to water. But there you go. Um another thing that I saw on TikTok was about the possibility or the the guesses and conspiracies or theories uh surrounding um Erica's new sugar daddy boyfriend, well, I don't care. Um there apparently Dana $25,000 sunglasses Wilkie went on her Patreon podcast to say that she believes um around 98% that Erica is dating this Gambling guy, Vegas guy. Apparently, he's worth about two hundred million dollars. He is older, obviously. He um, kind of threads that uh, Tom used to do business with him, so they kind of may have known each other. But I, all of this is alleged, and all of this is just a guess. But while I said I don't care about Erica, and I don't, here's what I'm thinking: like, if we're, if you were going to join. like sugar daddy thing or the wealthy husband thing, then like you got to be smarter than this girl. Like in my mind, if I'm dating a sugar daddy, then like I'm using hit and I'm doing it right. I'm using his money. To bankroll my lifestyle, my housing, my clothes, my trips, whatever. And then whatever money I'm making, I'm saving, right? So, and then you, you know, if you really got a good, then you're saving what he's given you too, right? Uh, I'll be damned (laughs) if I'm 50 years old having to chase old rich dick in order to make my ends meet. Because you had 20 years in the game to get yourself together and you you haven't done it girl that's sad that's sad if you're gonna do it do it right that's all i'm saying you know what i mean if you're gonna go down that rabbit hole and you're gonna let a a man touch you with his like wrinkly uh tissue paper skin then put some money in that savings girl so you don't have to do this again when he eventually you know you know? I don't know. I just think she's doing this all wrong. It's me. Because, like I said, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. 20 years in the game? And you still gotta hop on some old man? Ugh, no. Girl. The ghetto. Um, What else? Okay, so usually I, I do um, Housewives recaps. <sighs> and lately I've been doing Beverly Hills recaps since Roni got off, but I just didn't want to talk about this episode and it had everything to do with this conversation with Garcelle with the culmination of weeks of these ladies saying that Garcelle doesn't give enough to herself that every time she says that she does not feel like she fits in or that she feels left out in some sort of way that they question her and they act like she, they don't know what she's talking about. And finally, and I knew this was going to happen I knew it was going to happen in the back of my mind and seeing it was so upsetting and so, ugh, it was just so gross to have to watch Garcelle cry and like break down how she feels her experience as a black person being in a group of white people mostly Um, and how that can automatically make you feel different, isolated on the outside, on the outskirts and to, to have her repeatedly tell these people and have them not listen. And they only listen to her when she has broken down in tears, talking about how she feels left out and how hard it is for her Did they finally be like, thank you, Garcelle. Thank you for finally being vulnerable with us. And like, oh, that was so beautiful. Lisa Renna, I could wring her neck. Oh, that was so beautiful. That was such a beautiful moment. Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. Like all of you guys, instead of wrapping her in the loving embrace or whatever, should be ashamed of yourselves. You should be embarrassed that she had to get to that point for you to finally listen to her. That's sick. I hated that. I absolutely hated it. I just like, I almost, I was going to rewatch the episode, but I can't even do it. Like, I I just, I don't want to see that. I don't think anything of it. Nothing about that was heartwarming to me. It was disgusting. And I just hope that somebody wrote in, well, no, because it's too late they already filmed a reunion I would have wished that somebody had asked the question of like do you guys see what you did to her do you guys get it now do you guys understand that it shouldn't take somebody crying at a dinner table for you to hear them after they have repeatedly said that same thing to you over and over and I just ugh, yuck <clears throat> vomit can't take it ugh um is there anything pleasant that I can talk about <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, Lord. I clicked on a link, not realizing, because here's what I do, guys. I, like, throughout the week, or usually, like, Wednesday to Saturday, I'll, like, uh, compile a list of things that I want to talk about for this Monday episode. So, like, I have a running draft in my emails of, like, links that I see. And I did not know what this link was, and I screaming you just heard um at the shot of vicky gondelson i knew i had another girl and of course ugh, god do i want to talk about vicky ugh. <laughs> i don't want to talk about her <laughs> but i'm going to so vicky did the uh housewives ultimate girls trip part two it was filmed in the berkshires right i think they were filming in the berkshires so it was um who was on this cast? It was uh, Brandy, if I'm not mistaken, Phaedra, Vicky, Dorinda, um, some other people. It, it doesn't matter. This is has to do with Vicky. So I had heard through the grapevine that like <laughs> the girls are fighting. That that everybody was fighting. Nobody got along. It, it was big to do right. So <laughs> page six comes out with an article that apparently they were told that Vicki during this girl's trip was fighting with them about the vaccine. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't require vaccines, vaccinated housewives for the show, but okay. So she was, has been talking about the vaccine. If you guys don't know, I mean, it's, it's Vicky. you know, she's not vaccinated. Like please there a couple months ago, her son, Michael, um had said that he had gotten <laughs> the vaccine um and that Vicky was really upset with him and like thought this was like a betrayal she was like so disappointed in him for getting vaccinated right so apparently during this girl's trip she told she and Dorinda got into it uh, it's saying she wouldn't stop fighting about the shot She really got into it with Dorinda Vicky told Dorinda that everyone who got the vaccine is going to die said an insider, "I adding that Gunvalson's point of view has quote nothing to do with religious reasons." Yeah, we know. <laughs> it, we know N- nothing about Vicky has to do with religion. Please, please, she can say I'm being nailed to the cr- to the cross like Jesus was all damn day. I Vicky is not a please. Like, let like, like let's not let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> fifty nine years old. 59 years old telling people that they're going to die from the vaccine ugh god you can (laughs) (laughs) never mind I'm not, I can't, I can't (laughs) I can't I can't with her okay, for the rest of the episode you guys are going to hear my recap of the Controlling Britney Spears documentary excuse me um, yeah is that it? I feel like I'm missing something. Always there's this little panic that I forgot something. If I've forgotten, you guys can check my um, episode description. I usually leave links to things that I feel like are relevant if I remember, which is uh, not often. Not that often. But, um, you know, if, if anything comes up, I will put it in the description notes for this episode. So, all right, you guys, stay tuned. First I make you giggle. And second off, I want you to remember all the funny things and all the fun times. I want you to remember how strong you are, how talented you are, how silly you are, um, how goofy you are, um, and that that heart of yours is gigantic. And that how, I mean, my goodness, I told you every day how much I loved you. If I had one penny for every fan that's just reached out to me to send their love to you would I be a rich woman I'm hanging there your voice is coming back you are louder and prouder and more powerful than I've seen you in a really long time and I love you and um I will support you no matter what and I wasn't gonna cry because you know what I don't like to cry makes my nose big and red I love you All right, let's talk about this new Britney Spears documentary. This is like Shark Week, you guys, uh, for uh, the Britney Spears fans, members of the Free Britney Movement. We're getting documentary after documentary this week in conjunction with, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, on September 29th, it is officially um, Britney Spears is free, free of Jamie. I can't wait. I'm really excited about it. So because of that, I was like a little bit gun shy because I, I just don't like when too many people, you know, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. I feel like if there's a big um, subject, I think there needs to be some sort of summit amongst the streaming services and the networks to just say like, we're going to do a lottery and only like a couple of you guys get to talk about this. Two, one on network, one on, <laughs> went on a streaming service, and that's it. Um, and I also feel like I'm I'm very precious about. Um, and I know like I'm I'm hypocritical because I did this whole special about da- Gabby Petito, but like I'm also a little bit. Um, I don't like when we're not getting the full story, like when the full story isn't out. Like, so we have the September 29th date where hopefully Jamie is officially um, ousted as Brittany's uh, uh, conservator and hopefully she's free at this point. But yeah, if we don't know the full story, I just feel like this is such a big part of it. Can we do, I just feel like people should have waited, but that's neither here nor there. We're here. So let's go there. So the premise of this documentary is to talk about essentially like y'all know when you see a roach in your house, you can pretty much be sure that there are other roaches somewhere lurking in the background, right? So while Jamie Spears is the roach who's out there he doesn't care about like you switch the light on and he's just still in the middle of the kitchen like fight me bitch you know that's jamie this docuseries is about all the other roaches the ones who have been hiding in the shadows the one who have been like really doing gnarly stuff um you know jamie could not have done this on the on his own we are very clear on that that's like drunk slack-jawed yokel of a a father of Britney's could not have possibly maintained this 13-year conservatorship without the help of some other evil underlings so we're talking about her management um we're talking Lou Taylor we're talking Robin Greenhill we meet this guy named Alex who worked for a company called Black Star Security for almost 10 years under um you know, watching Britney and he mentions it all. And I really appreciate it. So in the documentary, we start off on June 23rd, 2021. Of course, the day that Britney uh, was able to speak publicly about her conservator conservatorship in detail for the first time. Right. So <clears throat> we see, you know, members of the hashtag free Britney movement outside of the courthouse, listening to her testimony I was really on the fence about watching this documentary. Like I said, it's just like a little bit overwhelming for me um, when so many things come out at the same time. But the moment I laid eyes on just like literal angel Felicia Kulata I knew I was in a safe space for some reason, despite never having been in this woman's presence, I probably never will be my interactions, if you will, with Felicia have purely been digital, right? just me seeing her on the screen in different videos. Despite all of that, I trust Felicia Kulata with my life, with my family's life. Okay. And I just trust her implicitly. I think she's just the sweetest lady and her energy just emanates off the screen. For those of you who don't know Felicia, she's been around Britney since, or she was around Britney in the like very beginning days she worked as her assistant um throughout like the beginning of her career and then she worked and this is what she's talking about this uh episode she's she worked on the circus tour and that's really the last time she saw britney so when felicia says that when she first heard britney speaking out she knew that there were going to be a lot of people coming out of the woodwork woodwork to document what they saw So we start talking about how Britney's conservatorship began in 2008. And by all accounts, in the beginning, it was a smooth running operation. Uh, Jamie was allowed to implement 24-7 security for Britney. And at that point, he hired a company, like I said, called Blackbox. So the first interview we get was with a guy named Alex. He was the executive, executive assistant of a guy named Idan, who was the... Britney's security guard for nine years. So like between 2012 and this year, Alex claims to be the only person at black box who knows everything. And he says when the first documentary came out, the framing Britney Spears documentary that he was relieved, relieved that neither he nor black box security were mentioned because it was his biggest fear that security would draw any sort of attention in terms of this situation so then we get a bunch of pictures that go up on the screen of britney out and about running errands she's at her son's soccer game and in every picture you can see edan always just lurking in the background just like the babadook just always haunting and over her shoulder it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Alex says that when he joined Black Box Security, Brittany was their only full-time client and that he obviously knew Brittany, but he didn't know anything about the details of her conservatorship and that all he was ever told was that this conservatorship was the best for Brittany to be able to maintain custody of her sons and that she was really happy with the arrangement. Alex also says that there was a group chat between Robin Greenhill, Jamie Spears, and other people that basically tracked every move, every request that Britney had inside and outside of her home, and how Brittany was not able to have anybody in the house without a bunch of people knowing it and giving her permission. So one thing I thought was interesting was Alex talked about how uh, something that Brittany mentions in her testimony about being monitored in terms of her medications. Um, and I remember her saying that she, you know, like my security or my, these people give me my medications every day and they make me take them. Like they, they watch me while I take them. So Alex says that, you know, part of the security teams were asking Adan, like, is this ethical? Should we be monitoring her, her medications? Should we be the ones giving them to her? Because I guess they had come up with a system where they would put, you know, not the old school prescriptions, you know, plastic thing with a Monday, Tuesday, Friday, whatever. That She would get like these prepackaged <clears throat> bags with the pills that she needed for the day. And like I said, people would have to watch her take her meds um, and she wouldn't be able to leave until she did. Um, the, he, they were told that this is what she needed and what she wanted and the producer who was interviewing Alex asks are you sure that's what the client wanted? And Alex res- Alex's response was, well the client was Jamie. Alex also compares Brittany to both a child who needs her parents for permission to do anything and like a prisoner and that the security guards were essentially like prison guards to Brittany. So let's get to the point of the conservatorship. Obviously a conservatorship should be in most cases like the last resort. And in California, the stipulation of having a conservatorship or being a conservatee is that you have to have the inability to feed, clothe and support yourself. Now we all know that as soon as Jamie Spears began um, this conservatorship, Brittany was out there she was doing how I met your mother she was touring she was she had a very rigorous like international schedule where she was in Germany one day Paris two days later back to LA then to New York then to Japan like packed 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 schedule definitely the opposite of somebody who's unable to support themselves right Then we meet Tish Yates. She was the head of Britney's wardrobe for like 10 years off and on for her tours. She says right off the bat that she does not feel like Jamie was the one who was at the helm of all of this. And that her belief was that it was Robin Greenhill. Now Robin Greenhill works for a company called TriStar Sports and Entertainment. They were uh, Britney's management team. Um, Tish says initially that she had no idea what Robin's role was, that she was just somebody who was, you know, when you have these tours, and even if you're just somebody of like Britney Spears' celebrity, there are going to be a bunch of people around. And Tish says, you know, usually we would know what these people's jobs were, even if we weren't, you know, having to work with these people but she said robin would just rock around she thought she was the assistant britney's assistant at one point she like truly had no idea except for the fact that she was always there and then she came to realize that robin was basically controlling the tiniest things of britney's life like she gave an example of britney wanted sushi one day and robin would tell her that you had sushi yesterday, it was too expensive. Like, too expensive for you, Britney Spears, to have sushi two days in a row. Now, if I can afford sushi two days in a row, I know that Britney Spears should be able to afford sushi every day, all day long, just a fresh sushi bar in her home for the rest of her life, right? This, out of all the things, like, I can... And I'm not like, obviously I'm not condoning this, but I can wrap my mind around vultures. And I can wrap my mind around there being this powerful, vulnerable person and having people around them take uh, control of them. What I find so hard to believe and so hard to comprehend is the fact that these people were trying to make it seem like Britney Spears, that Britney Jean Spears can't afford things. That is wild. And you guys know that to this, as of now, Britney's net worth is 60, $60 million. Does that make sense to you guys? Does that make sense to you? That Britney Spears, who has been the top head bitch for 20 years, is only worth $60 million? That she spent years on the Vegas Strip, something that we all know is supposed to be just easy money. Right? Easy money in the sense of, like, you don't have to go to all these cities. You get to stay in one stadium. You get to have that, uh, you know, that consistency of being there. And also, that they throw a fuck ton of money at you. Britney Spears should be worth $60 million just, like, this year not doing anything. Right? Not in the totality of her net worth. So, sorry. I just spiraled about her money. <laughs> Back to the sushi thing. So she would, Brittany would get told that the sushi, you know, you had it yesterday. It was too expensive for you. And then it would devolve into this thing that Brittany would want something. Robin would say no. Brittany would push back. Robin would push back. And then it would escalate to the point where Jamie had to intervene. And then he would shut everything down. So like a, like an abusive parent relationship, right? So back to Alex, the security guy, he tells a story about how Brittany had seen um, all of her dancers and the people around her with iPhones. And she told her dad that she wanted one. And how Idan, his boss, the head of security, asked Alex if there was any way that they could get some sort of monitoring software on the phone because all of her communications were surveilled. This is allegedly what Edon told Alex. Alex asked about the legality of that and that he said it was legal because the courts knew And that it was for her safety and protection. So Alex was given the impression that their ability to surveil Brittany everywhere she went, every move she made on every device in her home was a part of the conservatorship and that this was all above board. Then Alex said that Robin Greenhill came up with the idea of getting an iPad and putting the same cloud on Brittany's phone on this iPad so that ba- they could basically mirror all of Brittany's activities. Alex was told that it was all to protect Brittany and that they would, b- but they would monitor every single conversation from ones that she had to her friends, to her mom, to her lawyer. And while Alex felt uncomfortable with that, like I said, he was told that it was in her best interest. Um, pause here for my thoughts why are we not talking more about Lynn Spears I feel like she's really getting away with things I want to see a takedown of Jamie Lynn and I want to ta- see a takedown of Lynn I want people to talk about this because by all intents I mean we know that Jamie Lynn has been head hedgehog in charge for quite some time. And she's just like ruining her. Well, (laughs) whatever her career is, she's ruined it left and right from all this stuff. Right. I don't want Lynn to get off with anything because I feel like she's just as sinister. And there was something that was said that really stuck with me. And I believe it was in the first part of the framing Britney Spears, uh, documentary. Which was basically that, like, after Jamie and Lynn got divorced, that Jamie, excuse me, that Lynn let Jamie do whatever because she wanted to be, like, the nice parent and she wanted to, like, demonize Jamie. It was some sort of, like, backhanded thing of, like, I'm going to just let my husband do anything and ruin her, my daughter's life, our daughter's life, so that I can look like the good parent. And that's almost more diabolical. Than anything. Like knowingly letting the other parent be evil to your child. So that you look better in comparison. Electric chair. It's sick. It's absolutely sick. Then we start to hear from Felicia. Like I said, she was around as Brittany's assistant. In the early days, she came back for the circus tour. And she says that the circus tour was the first time. That she started getting separated from Brittany. And then one day out of the blue, she gets a call from Jamie who tells her, so they finished the whole American leg of this uh, circus tour that she was not going to be doing the European leg. And Brittany never wanted her there n- to begin with. And on top of that, if Brittany ever sees you that she won't go on stage. <laughs> so like he's framing this as like, Brittany hates you. She can't stand you. She's going to shut everything down at the sight of you. Felicia said, no, I booked my tour, or excuse me, I booked my, you know, my uh, hotels, my flights, everything. Like, I'll just make sure not to see Brittany. And he was, uh, Jamie was like, well, you better make sure of that. Okay? So they do this whole leg of the European tour. On the last day, Felicia ended up seeing Brittany in the hallway. And she says it was like the air just got sucked out of the room because she was under the impression that Brittany was like, it's on site with you, Felicia. And next thing she knows, Britney's running to her, jumping in her arms, asking her where she's been this whole time. And at that moment, Felicia thought, oh, I think that these people might be trying to pit us together. And she says that she believes that the reason why she was pushed out was because she had made it very clear that if she had seen something that Brittany was not happy with, that if she had seen something that just didn't seem right, that she was going to call it out and she would have put a stop to it. Oh, then we go back to Tish, the wardrobe stylist and she tells a story about how they were at the mall one day. And how Brittany had had such a tight allowance that she had seen, she had walked past the shoe store. She saw a pair of shoes that she wanted. She asked if she could buy them. Brittany was told that she could not afford them. See, another thing that just like, it, it makes my head want to explode. The, the idea that somebody would tell Brittany that she can't afford something. Um, and so Tish was like, okay, well, show me what the shoes are. They were sketchers. They were a pair of sketchers. I don't know how much sketchers are worth. I haven't worn sketchers since probably uh nineteen ninety eight but I know that they're um an affordable shoe for sure definitely um <laughs> it It makes me want to punch everybody through that throat. You know it really does so what Tish did was. She was like, I'll just buy them for you. I'll buy them on the wardrobe budget. And then we'll just say that like I bought them and they didn't work for tour. And that way you can have these sketchers. Sketchers. Britney Jean Spears just wants to have a venti caramel frappuccino and a pair of shape ups. And why can't she have that? And some sushi for dinner. Let her do it. So then in 2014, Brittany's lawyer, Sam Ingham has a hearing with the judge in which he says basically the same things that Britney had been saying uh, this past June, which is that she didn't want to be under the conservatorship anymore. She wanted to have the right to get married and have children and retire from show business and live her life the way she wants to live it. So at one point the judge says to Sam Ingham, I don't think we've discussed anything about her inability to get married. Like, whether or not we should let her do that or not but then you might not want to tell her that excuse me this judge has since like retired and she's claimed like oh you guys you know don't what you hear in one hearing is not like the full story or whatever the fuck fuck you girl fuck you Um, thank god she got replaced and thank god she retired because if she was a terrorist to Britney Spears Imagine all the, the little, little smaller cases and the, and the unknown people and people that she's fucked over. Sick. Brittany also, um, stated that she thought that, you know, she was being drug tested in order to keep custody of her children and that she was having like random tests. And I guess Jamie was also doing it because we all know that Jamie is an alcoholic and has been. And continues to be. Um, And Brittany raised concerns about that and said, you know, I would like for the courts to make a random visit to Jamie's house in order to test him because he had these scheduled visits, which of course, if you know, (laughs) when you're going to be getting tested, obviously you're going to um, behave accordingly. Right. Um, So yeah, Brittany requested they do a random visit to the house. And the judge's response was, who is she to be demanding anything from anybody? (laughs) Brain exploding. Just brain exploding. There was part, one part that made me giggle, I have to admit. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, usually when... You know, TV shows and documentaries do this, like, what I call, like, a card, which is just, like, you know, the screen pops up and it says something. Usually it's supposed to invoke uh, the idea of, like, something more serious happening to, like, narrate what you're about to see. So it says, the screen pops up and says, in March of 2016, Iggy Azalea is asked about having lunch with Britney Spears. (laughs) And then it cuts to an episode of watch what happens live that Iggy was on and Andy asked her about having lunch because they you know they did the song pretty girls terrible song but okay um and Iggy says, well, there really was nothing to report except for Britney's people came to my house and basically did some sort of like secret service level sweep to make sure that Iggy wasn't going to give her anything that she shouldn't be giving. Just like making sure that her place was all above board. Um, wild. Wild. <laughs> so then Alex comes back to talk about how Edan put a recording device in Brittany's bedroom. And I think this was the the pull quote of the episode was the monitoring um, in her bedroom specifically. The screen pops up saying like, it's unsure if the courts knew anything about them doing that monitoring in her bedroom, but recordings uh, there, there were over 180 hours of recordings of audio, including Brittany's interactions with her boyfriend and her children. So one day Alex was approached and given a flash drive and he was told to delete the contents. He asked what was on the drive and they were just like, oh, it's, you know, really sensitive information. And he was catching the vibe that there was like some nervous energy around this, that there was some panic. So he decided to save a copy because he didn't want to be implicated in anything and he come to find out this happened a couple days before she was, Brittany was due to meet in court. So he was like, oh this must have something to do with that, right? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ So then we get to the point where I have always been curious about, and I've always wanted to know more about, regarding Britney's romantic relationships. It's pretty much an open secret, right, that all of her relationships um, under this conservatorship in this 13-year period have seemed very... uh, I don't even know what the word is. It just seems like there has been an audition process kind of Tom Cruise, like in its um, structure where there's, he, he goes on to talk about like the, the process of making a Britney Spears boyfriend. Right. And it cuts to a meeting that Brittany had in her home in 2016 with an investigator regarding her conservatorship, where Brittany very plainly says that she knows exactly what's going on, she knows that people are there profiting off of her and taking advantage of her, she's not allowed to drive by herself, or to have friendships or romantic relationships that are not approved by her father. So Alex says that there was a whole process for her romantic partners. They would have to sign contracts. They would have to sign NDAs. They were followed by private investigators to make sure that like what they were doing out here in these streets was approved by Jamie. And Brittany says that she felt like Jamie was obsessed with her and that every move that she made had to be approved by him. And that conservatorship quote comes with a lot of fear. So after all that, the probate investigator who was there? Who could have potentially saved Britney five years ago? Um, they write this report. They end the report by saying, <clears throat> "It appears that the has done the conservators have done an excellent job of protect, protecting Miss Spears, and it's apparent that they have made commendable efforts to help her reach the positive places in her life that she has to this date." So Britney Spears sat there and told you that she felt like everything in her life had been controlled, that everybody who was handling her business was taking advantage of her, that she was cognizant of that, that she was cognizant of them taking her money. She was cognizant of the fact that she was um, being treated like a child. Even after that, they were like, oh, it's very clear that um, these conservators are doing a great job. And that the reason why Britney is doing so well today is all because of them. So, congrats to you guys. I mean, they do end the report by saying that it is clear that the conservatorship needed to come to a conclusion at some point. And in the interim, all parties needed to make sure that Britney um, did not feel subjugated. So, the end of that was the only thing that made sense to me. To act like she, everything... That was good in Britney's life, even though she was saying everything was bad, was due to them and because of them. Mm, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. Another part that made me really sad was when they talk about how Britney wanted to hire a new lawyer. Of course, at this point, every bit of her phone interactions, her texts are getting monitored. She doesn't know that. But of course, they can see everything. So she's trying to hire <clears throat> I'm sorry. I don't know why my voice is going out. She tried to hire a a new lawyer, but then it began this, it became this big thing of like, I can't really interview you. Like, how do I know if you're a good lawyer and how do I know this is a good fit if I can't interview you and I can't interview you. You can't come to my house. You definitely can't come to my house with people knowing that you're a lawyer. So maybe you can come as a plumber And then we can have some sort of secret conversation after that. Just terrible. Terrible. A grown-ass woman trying to hide the identity of a lawyer so that she can have her own rights. Disgusting. But then it also, like, brings up new questions because... (sighs) Clearly if they're monitoring her communications, they know that she's upset. They know that she's unhappy. They know that she knows what's going on. And to me, if you can see that coming, it it speaks to me. I feel like, Everybody's involved from the courts, the judges, the lawyers that they got in place in order to screw Britney over, take money from her, which is why she's only worth sixty million now, and you know take advantage of her. <clears throat> Sorry, you guys, in every way possible. <clears throat> so, to me, like this, where we're at now, where Britney has now spoken out, and we just see Jamie lashing out. Pussy popping his way out of responsibility. It's just surprising to me that they saw this train coming and yet were still woefully unprepared. Especially when you know that, you know, if 2019, the Free Britney movement began and it really began to take off. So between Britney... Sharing how she feels to whoever she thinks she's talking to, thinking that she's having private conversations, and the Free Britney movement. They knew, they knew that they could had to like try to contain this movement, right? So what they were doing was putting people on their team undercover to meet people at these like meetings, these Free Britney uh, meetups, to befriend people figure out who they are comb through them and, and search all of them. So, so wild. Jamie starts lashing out to the public and and statements talking about how the free Brittany movement is nothing more than a conspiracy theory that, um, you know, the courts wouldn't be doing this if this wasn't in Brittany's best interest. Um, they also use Jamie's attorney named Vivian Thorine, a creep, a creep if i've ever heard one um to they use her to push this narrative that jamie was the one who helped bring britney spears's finances back where they needed to be and how they jamie and britney were this like collaborative duo with one another and that he was really like a consultant to britney fuck off fuck off um then you know it's like if she wants to rec- record an album, then she's the one to do that. If he wants to go on, t- if she wants to go on tour, then he's the one to facilitate with that. So Jamie's lawyers end up billing Britney five over five hundred thousand dollars for quote media matters. So she is now having to pay half a million to lawyers who want to keep her in this conservatorship. And who are lying to the public about what's going on. She is now paying them to lie about her. <laughs> paying them to give this impression that she is not equipped to live her own life and manage her own life. Paying these people to keep her in shackles, basically. Ooh heated. There is nothing more creepy than this grown-ass lawyer, Vivian Thoreen, standing in front of a camera and a microphone, and saying, "Britney knows her daddy loves her. Imagine going through all that law school, education, working, to sit in front of a camera, and say that this man, who smells like monster energy drinks, and... Marble, ambers, and dip, and gunpowder. That daddy, daddy loves you, Brittany. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Yuck. Um. So then we get to the point where June comes. Brittany's finally able to speak to the court. Alex says that that was the moment where he realized that everything that he had been told was to quote <laughs> Dorit the diametrical opposite. Of the truth right um alex also said he said he saved some emails from the security team the first one was from Brittany's new lawyer who stated that she had requested to get a new phone and that she, they were trying to make sure that nobody had access to calls voicemails text messages and stuff so jamie responds or somebody responds for jamie that jamie never had access to those things And Alex says, when I saw that email, I was really confused, right? (laughs) Because he had been very clear that that was not the case. So he ended up leaving uh, Black Box earlier this year. And he says that he knows that speaking out about this is the right thing to do. He doesn't know what the fallout from this is going to be. When he left Black Box, he said he really didn't have any loyalty and told Edan that what he felt like they were doing was not ethical. And so Edan was like, okay, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Like, let's have a meeting, meet me in my office, and we'll talk about all you know, you not finding me to be ethical, right? So according to Alex, this is all alleged. He gets into that office, Edan has a gun in his holster, takes a gun out, puts it on his desk and says oh okay so you don't like the way my business is run (laughs) and alex is like it wasn't a threat but it was a threat right so there's a court hearing set like i said um on whether or not to remove jamie from the conservatorship on september 29th obviously we know by now that jamie agreed to step down prior to that date however In his court filing, Jamie said he didn't do anything wrong, um, that the publics don't know about Britney's mental health and addiction issues. And if they did, they would praise Jamie for all he's been doing. And also that they need to figure out the financials of his exit, right? He wants $2 million. He wants $2 million to leave. Now, if, if you're like even a halfway decent parent... You don't say shit like if you knew what my daughter's mental health and drug addiction issues or addiction issues were, you would be thanking me. Hell. Hell. Go to hell. Go straight to hell. Why would you like expose her like that and and try to give yourself a pat on the back? Like if you guys only knew what a fucking mess she was, you guys would be thanking me. <laughs> Ew. 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 Um, you know, like I said, he wants $2 million to step down as conservator, which is, I think tells you everything you need to know about how he does not need a dime, none of the money. And you know what, actually give him the $2 million because he's going to need all of that for all the legal fees. He's not going to see one penny of that is going back into his trailer. Okay. You're this is going straight to legal fees and, and yeah, keep it, keep it. Cause you're not really going to be able to keep it for very long. Not if I have anything to do with it, Jamie. OK, um, so back to that September 29th date, <clears throat> it's still going to be used to have the judge hear both Brittany's request to remove Jamie and Jamie's petition to terminate the conservatorship. So hopefully this will all be done in a few days. And what a blessing. What an absolute blessing for Brittany. Um, the docuseries ends with Felicia saying, you know, what she would say to Brittany if she was able to. Um, they said Tish and Felicia seem to know each other and be friends. And they said that they don't have her number that, you know, they have a bunch of numbers for Brittany, but none of them work. Tish says that the last time she saw Brittany, she gave her a Tiffany necklace and uh, engraved her phone number into it so that she could call her if she ever needed help. Um, and yeah, like I said, Felicia says, she doesn't have her phone number, but she would want to remind her of how silly and goofy and funny she is. And if I had a penny for every pe- per- every person who reached out to me to say that they love and support Brittany, I would be a rich woman. <laughs> I just want to, like, be la- wrapped in the loving embrace of her Felicia's arms. I feel like she makes a really good chili or, like, some sort of, like, taco casserole um, taco salad kind of thing. I don't know. She probably like fries her fried chicken and sweet tea, that kind of vibe. And I want to try it. I really do. I just want to like sit on the porch and like drink lemonade. And like, you know, maybe I can get her to like drink one Mike's hard lemonade. And we just like spend the night giggling and talking about the good old days, even though I've never met her. I I know how this sounds, but you know what? She just seems like a very trustworthy woman. And if you saw her, you would agree. Okay. <laughs> so that's the end of our episode for this week y'all thank you so much for listening thank me for speaking please if you're able to give me a five-star review i'd really really appreciate it over on apple Podcasts. y'all have a great day i'll be back